0: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here, my friend, Ryan Black, who is the awesome founder and CEO of Sambazon, and Sambazon, if for those of you who might not be familiar uh, with the product, is the industry leader and pioneer in acai and the first brand to bring the Brazilian superfruit from the Amazon to the U.S. Ryan actually started the company with his brother Jeremy and also friend Edmund, and uh, in 2000. So. Um, Right in that in that great turn of the century, um, he brought this fruit over, which is super super cool. I want to get him to share a little bit of the story around uh, that famous surf trip to Brazil. So that'll be really really cool to hear that. But I think more than anything, I have such a huge appreciation for the fact that he not only started a company and has grown a company, but has also started really a new category, which is really freaking hard. So that that's like a next level for entrepreneurs that until you have been in it, maybe you don't exactly have an appreciation and sort of the length of time that it typically takes. But he's also really pioneered, you know, this whole concept of socially and environmentally conscious business model, too. So he's taken an idea um, that as I mentioned, has uh, scaled significantly over the years, and uh, plus, he's just a really good guy. So, really, really excited to have you here, Ryan.
1: Thank you so much. It's uh, it's great to be here. We've got a long relationship of mutual respect, and I'm super excited to talk to you today.
0: Super cool. So. Before we get into hearing about Samson and uh, your journey in building it, I'd love to hear more about your early years. I mean, we, we know you have a brother, but did you ever think that you'd become an entrepreneur? What, what did you think you were going to be doing?
1: <laughs> it's funny. Um, well, you know, like I'd say as, as a lot of kids, I dreamed of being a professional uh, athlete. Um, never really thought about being an astronaut or anything like that, but I loved the game of football. You know, growing up with a single mom in Southern California with an older brother, um, y- you know, we were always sort of entrepreneurial, you know, here's a few bucks, go find yourself something to eat, go, uh, you know, I remember, you know, selling candy at school or something when I was a kid to to make some extra pocket change sort of thing. So um, also, you know, um, not that uh, I grew up with him, but my, uh, my father was an entrepreneur. So I, I guess you could say I have it in my genes. And, uh, being an athlete, um, being an entrepreneur, you know, you learn a lot of, um, discipline and, uh, from, from sports, you know, you learn discipline, you learn teamwork, you learn how to make decisions under pressure and how to probably most importantly for an entrepreneur, get knocked on your butt and then get up again, you know, and keep going. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think the sports background really helped me and not surprising being an entrepreneur, being a Sagittarius who likes to travel, who likes to explore and adventure. I think those all, um, have, have shaped who I am in business. You know,
0: Definitely. Well, I think that your analogy on, uh, being an athlete, I think that it's, uh, it's also, I think so many entrepreneurs that I know have had some sort of experience with being an athlete. I was a gymnast and, uh, you know, I, I was never the best, uh, gymnast. I was decent. Um, but I was okay with, with, uh, competition. Right. Sure. And always trying to figure out like, how do I get better? Which is, uh, what I think all great entrepreneurs do. You're never, you're never done. Absolutely. Right. You have to just Absolutely. keep working at it. Absolutely. Um, so that's, uh, that's a, a great example for sure. So Sambazon. So I heard that there's some big surf trip uh, that in <laughs> Brazil, it sounds like a boondoggle. Um, when you think back on, on those years, uh, obviously you grew up in Southern California, you you love to surf. So tell me about Brazil. And I bet you did not think that you were coming back with this idea.
1: I definitely did not. Um You know, there's a little bit of, 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 of lore to the story, but, um, you know, at the, at the turn of the millennium, um, I had, uh, I was, I had a Brazilian girlfriend and I was with my buddy and I thought, let's go to Brazil to experience her culture. Um, I knew it was beautiful. I heard great things about it. Um, yes, we surfed while we were there. Um, and, um, but we're really there to experience the country and, and, and the culture of Brazil.
0: How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay. Maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well-written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just fifty cents per week for your first year.
1: And um, after one of those days that we surfed, um, I was on the beach with some friends. Somebody handed me an acai bowl and said, "This is cool. This is the new thing. You got to have it." And I was, you know, I was, I was excited. I was blown away. Number one, you know, when you're in a foreign land, you know, and you get something that. Um, you can eat that you really like that's new um you 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 gravitate to, towards that a little bit so i wanted to have it again and again um over the the coming you know two weeks we were there and um i kind of was you know not only did i enjoy the flavor because acai tastes really good right and it's and it's beautiful it has this purple color with you know bananas and strawberries and granola and all, so it's it's visually very appealing so it's it's um it's delicious and it's beautiful. Um, I also learned a little bit—not that day, of course—but learned a little bit over the coming months about how acai had a a pretty amazing um, chemical composition. You know, it was a, a fruit with no sugar, number one, um, and it had omega fatty acids in it, sort of like olive oil or fish or something like that. So it's like a fruit with fat. It had fiber um, and tons of antioxidants, so it could be something that. You know, you can consume, it builds up your body. Remember, I was an athlete, um, builds up your body and at the same time is cleansing. Um, and then the third sort of leg of the stool that we found out um, was that, you know, Greenpeace had kind of come out and said that acai, because it was wild harvested in the Amazon rainforest by locals, it represented the number one non-timber forest product in terms of money. For the whole Amazon basin, and when I saw that online, um, I was like, "Wow, this stuff is not only is it beautiful and tasty, and it's nutritious, but um, it could be if we did it the right way, it could be an example of of sustainable development in the Amazon rainforest. You know, using acai as a vehicle to promote it um, right in front of us. So, you know, that's kind of the trifecta that we started with, and. Created a, a brand soon thereafter called Sambazon, which is actually kind of an an acronym for sustainable management of the Brazilian Amazon. Right? Easy, easy, right? And we had uh, you know dreams that we could create a what's now referred to as an omni-channel business, where you can walk into a store and have it like uh, you know at a Starbucks or a you know Chipotle or something, and at the same time. You could buy it in the supermarket to make it home with your friends or your family. Um, easy, easy, easy plan, right? The only problems were no one had ever heard of it. Uh, number two, n- no one could really pronounce it. you know um, I actually on the, on, saw on the news uh, about a month ago that you know they had the most mispronounced, most mispronounced words in the entire you know, United States, and acai was like number one you know um so you couldn't pronounce it nobody had ever heard of it um and you had to climb a you know 40 foot palm tree um to harvest a tiny little berry that had a very small amount of yield so those were sort of the that was like the the original sort of aha moment if you will and the inspiration behind it and some of the challenges that we knew that we were going to have to face on our journey
0: so you had found this fruit and you were going to be importing it to the US right because you're thinking you know it's not there but it's a perishable item i mean that there's so many aspects of this when i was <laughs> doing a little bit more research that i was just like oh my gosh and you had never been in this industry i mean that's it's a lot yeah. right like how did you even start
1: well i joke that you know i my first job was a busboy um, at a Mexican restaurant in high school, so I've got some food service experience, <laughs> and then and then I worked in the uh, frozen section of the of a supermarket when I was in college, the graveyard shift, and so I have some uh, super some supermarket experience. No, it's it's a joke, but but true. But um, you know, interestingly, and that this really was a light bulb. We had traveled within the week of when we first tried Asaí in the north of Brazil. We traveled to an island off the coast of Brazil that's, it's, it's, it's called Fernando de Noronha and it's, it's an hour by plane. So it's, it's out there, right? It's not like, you know, just take a boat or something. It's, it's an hour by plane. So it's out there and it's kind of Brazil's Hawaii. And when Hmm. we were there, there was a, you know, it's a nature reserve and they only allowed, you know, several hundred people to visit there a day. And we stayed there for a whole week and I remember going to the little asai bowl spot and talking to the guy and saying, how many, you know, how many people are on this island? There's, you know, 300, how many, how many asai bowls are you sound, selling every day? Oh, I'm selling 300. I was like, wow, like everybody loves this. Okay. And then I sort of realized like, wait a minute, if asai can travel to this island, it can kind of travel to our island, right? And, and, and what I realized is that it was a frozen product right? So if this would have been a perishable product, like a banana or, you know, something that you have to pick and then you have to travel to make it to the grocery store or something like that, that would have never happened, you know? So it was a little bit Mm -hmm. easier than a perishable item. Um, It is highly perishable. And so what we do is we work with the communities who um, harvest the berries off the tree and then it gets processed in our factories within 24 hours and quick frozen. And once it's frozen, you know, you've got, you know, a couple years of shelf life. So it it was daunting to think about in the beginning, but once we realized that it was a frozen product, it made life a little bit easier.
0: So when you brought it back, like what was your first product that you put out the, in 2000?
1: The first product was was what um so that was my, so I'll get to that in a second. So, so I had this experience and yeah. said, wow, this is great. I went back to America, right. That you know, with this idea, like, oh, this I thing could be great. I was still a football player. So I went and played one more season of football, um, in Europe, uh, in a, you know, kind of like a semi pro league. Um, you know, we always joke and I, I did play a little bit in the NFL prior to that, but I was joking my story that the NFL stands for not for long. So that was like a, <laughs> a very quick experience. Um, but I did get to go play over in Europe, which was awesome. And um, also, as a, again, as an explorer, as an entrepreneur, you know, 15 years later, when I started trying to take my product to Europe, um, I, I had some, you know, um, understanding and awareness. You know, i lived there twice for six months at a time, once in Italy and once in France. So I had a little experience there. So anyways, uh, at the end of that um, six month sort of period, um, which would have put us in July of, of 2000, I went back to Brazil. And this time, me and Edmund went to the Amazon. Um, the, previously, we were just kind of at the beach. We went to the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And what we found was there was a cottage industry that had just sprung up over the previous decade um, that even 10 years prior to us being there, acai was only known in the Amazon. It wasn't even known in the rest of Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro or Sao Paulo or where... You know, 200 million people live in Brazil. So um, it was it was a brand new thing, even to the um, south of Brazil. And what was being produced by that cottage industry were these small packs of acai, these 100 gram packs, three and a half ounces of acai. And so that's what we could source. So that's, and that's the only thing we could really source. So our first product, a, you know, almost a year later, when we imported our first container, of, of frozen acai from Brazil was in these little 100 gram frozen packs. And those 100 gram frozen packs are still being sold, not only in your supermarkets, but in juice bars, you know, all over the United States and, and frankly, all over the world. They're pretty inconvenient to make stuff with. And we're, we're working on that, but it's still sort of the purest, simplest form of acai that you can get your hands on.
0: Interesting. So that was it. You're in, you know, you're, I guess you were fighting for the frozen case. What was your first store then?
1: Yeah. yeah, Okay. So first and foremost, remember I had this dream that we were going to go into retail. So I wanted to go open stores and compete with Jamba Juice or something like that because I thought to myself, you know, I'm a, I'm a. I went to college in Boulder, Colorado. I was sort of, you know, part hippie, part jock, football player, and so I had this sort of tint. So I I had my eye on the natural foods market, Um, but 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 in in retail as well and and so i somebody smart kind of said to me you can either go into the restaurant business and as you know 90, 90% of restaurants fail in the first year blah 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 and if you and if you put it in if you open a restaurant to do acai bowls and it doesn't work like you're done you're, you're, you're you mm-hmm. you you fail you like you're done or you can go into the wholesale business and you can su- start supplying all these juice bars with acai and, and introducing it to their customers and then, um, and go in that direction. And I, and I knew that I had to build a supply chain, um, cause it, cause it was, again, it was a cottage industry in Brazil. Um, and we had to do all kinds of work. So I, so I said, okay, we're going to go into the food service business. Um, and I'll never forget this. Somebody told me sell picks to miners right it's like this 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 thought of of you know you don't have to go into the mining business sell the picks to the miners you know that acai is going to be successful go help all these juice bars sell it and so i promised myself that once there was awareness of acai in the united states i would go back and i would start opening the retail stores right and if you would have asked the young ryan black at that time how long that was going to take i would have told you three to five years, because us, I is so great. And as soon as it hits the stores, people are going to go crazy for it. And then everybody's going to love it, right? Well, it didn't quite happen like that. So what we, we, so we focused on the wholesale business. We focused on food service first, juice bars, um, and coffee bars and cafes and restaurants. Um, and, um, you know, went from where we lived in Newport Beach, California, we went from the San Diego border to San Francisco. And we started driving around in our car with a frozen cooler in the back with frozen acai packs going door to door to juice bars and trying to convince the juice bar owners to buy our little packs for like a dollar and, and supercharge your smoothie, add them to your smoothie to your strawberry banana smoothie. And then you have an acai smoothie or an acai bowl, you know, smoothies were much more, um, uh, interesting than bowls in the beginning or popular than bowls in the beginning, because people didn't know what a bowl was or a smoothie bowl or an acai bowl. But people were sure. eating smoothies, drinking smoothies. Um, so that's what we did, and and I actually, um, and from there, you know, within the, you know the next year, or whatever, we started going to key cities in the United States and doing the same thing. And I actually joke these days; it's true. I would show up in a city, rent a car, like San Francisco. I remember this. I would go and. Steal a phone book from a, a phone booth or something like that, and I would have a map with me, and I would go with the phone book in the map and my acai in the back, and I would go and find the juice bars, you know, and and literally went and did this with a team of guys and girls around America for a few years. Um, it wasn't very efficient, but it it, it did the job. Hawaii, Miami new york city chicago you know these these different markets and after a couple of years um people started you know really liking it and saying hey i want to eat this every day but i don't want to go to I, I, I like this i want to eat it for breakfast but i don't want to have to go to the juice bar to do it so that's when in 2003 2004 years you know sort of two years after we had started or three years after we had started we went to, started going into our first natural food stores. And it was, you know, Mother's Market in Southern California, and some of these places, and then eventually we got, you know, Whole Foods Southern um, Pacific region and Michael Bazanson to take a chance on us and to allow us to go into Whole Foods.
0: So, what was the point when you actually created a drink, like you know, in a drinkable version?
1: Yeah, that was um, probably two years later, and that's when somebody said. Hey, um we really like your product. Um but I don't want to have to use a blender and go through all this stuff. Can you make a bottled smoothie out of it, a bottled drink? And so we did that. 2005, um we bottled our 2004, 2005, we started bottling smoothies with GoPacker. Um had some run-ins with Trader Joe's, with Naked Juice. None of that really worked. And then we ended up creating our own and um and uh, those were short shelf life products. Those were like 30 day. Remember the old like Odwalla bottles? They were very short, but we didn't yep. have a DSD distribution system. We weren't manufacturing the product. So in 2006, we found a an aseptic bottler in Southern California and started making a product that had an extended shelf life, like, you know, 100, 150 days of shelf life. Um, and then from that point on, we were able to start going into, you know, bigger supermarket chains. Um, and that's what, that was sort of the first wave of acai and acai beverage smoothie awareness in the United States, 2006, 2007, 2008, um, is when we really started entering into supermarkets. And it's interesting because, um, things change, right? So by 2012, 80% of our business was. Um, you know, beverages, you know, smoothies. And today, like 30% of our business is smoothies and beverages. So we completely changed, you know, over the coming decade from being into all juices and beverages. It finally came back around to acai bowls and frozen product.
0: So interesting. You know, you were first to market. Uh, how long did it take before you started to see competition?
1: Um not that long, honestly. Um as soon as we got into the beverage part of it, we started seeing some competitors. Um, and uh it was interesting because the, the the juice market at that time, you had, you know, Palm Wonderful, um, with with the pomegranate juice, just you know, kicking butt, and you had Naked and Odwalla and Bolt House. Um, and we were like, you know, the little engine that could against these huge brands. And um and then we started seeing, um, competition come in, um, even from some of those bigger players. And, um, but by like 2011, 2012, the juice business started to slow down as a whole. And it's really because sugar started, you know, becoming kind of a dirty word. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, I mean, even, you know, Coca-Cola took their odd walla business. That was, what was it? You know, two, $300 million and just like cut it. Just completely just, just turned it off from one day to the next, you know? Um, and you had some of these. And, and so it's funny because around 2010 or 11, you probably had around the world 10 companies that were making acai juice beverage of, co- of sorts, right? By 2015, I think you had one us, right? Like that's hmm. it. And, and, and if we were only in that part of the business, um, we probably wouldn't be around anymore, and yeah. and and because we had started in food service, and we used to have a a great food service guy named Matt Lau, and he used to say the bowl is the goal, you know. And even though we had this big <laughs> juice business, he was always like the bowl is the goal, you know. And and what happened is as that juice business started to sort of level off, I mean, even even decline the acai bowl business started to really pick up. And the fro the frozen business is what I'm referring to. And what was interesting at that point in time is we had a whole new group of competitors that came in, in the frozen space, but they were all startups, let's just say. And we were, because of our juice business, we were already a 40, $50 million business at that point in time. So we had this interesting Hmm. sort of competitive advantage. Plus we had Um, relationships already with major supermarkets. And so we Hmm. would go to them and say, yeah, we've been, you know, in your juice case, or we've been, you know, hopefully still in your juice case and not out of your juice case, because that started to happen too. But we've been in your produce department for all these years. You know us as a company. Now we want to present our frozen products to you. And even though it was a different buyer, we had some reputation already. Um, And I think that's really what solidified us over the years as, you know, I don't know, as the Kleenex of acai or something like that, right, as the market leader. Um, So, yeah, twists and turns um, at at every direction. Um, And just to finish that, you know, finish that off, um, when we hit the 10-year mark, we opened a store. We opened a retail store just to open it up right? And of course it did phenomenal because uh, people love acai bowls and people have opened up acai bowl shops all across the United States and all across the world. Now it did really well. And we started learning that business. And then when we got to the 20 year mark in in 2020, we launched uh, a retail hospitality team and hired a separate management team to start going after um, retail stores and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that, um, you know, now um, what's, you know, what's coming in the future here is you're going to start seeing, you know, Samazon Acai Bowl shops at your airports, in your universities, uh, and locally on, on your street. That's starting to happen now.
0: That's amazing. That is so great. Well, I, I just got back from Bali and had wow. never been there before. And I was at this uh, beach town called Kango. And uh, it was, uh, I, I mean, every other door was acai bowls. And I was wow. thinking about yeah. you because we were going to be having this interview. And it was, uh, anyway, it was amazing to see how much it's taken off. Um, but to your point, it takes time. I mean, it's, yeah. I had a uh, Greg Renfrew from Beauty Counter. On and we were joking, you know, she said that whenever she talks to an entrepreneur and they say, oh, you know, here's the plan and I'm going to flip it in three years and, you know, maybe five, you know, it's just like, especially if you're starting something really new and there's a lot of education and, you know, you're, it doesn't, it, and even if you had experience, it's like the, these things take a lot longer, right? And um, And I think another piece that you, uh, referenced is that, you know, sometimes it just takes staying alive, right? I mean, we've seen so many of the same companies, um, you know, come and go. I, I think of Purple, right? Was one that was, do you remember that one? Um, mm-hmm. that was around, um, you know, and they had so much cash and they were throwing it all over the place and then, they weren't around anymore. I mean, and so, you know, I say to entrepreneurs, like, you got to figure out, you got to stay the course, you got to keep trying new things and diversify. And you're just such a great example of that.
1: Thank you. It's, it's so true. It's like, you know, again, going back to the, what we were talking about earlier about being an athlete, it's, you know, persistence and consistency Mm -hmm. and, um, you know you got to build your competitive advantage and then just hold the line you know and it it takes time i mean you know I, I won't mention any names but i've been trying to get into one distributor for 4 years you know and 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 i just keep knocking on the door um waiting for the right you know and sometimes the buyers change or sometimes you know somebody wakes up on the right side of the bed for a change who knows you know but yeah being an entrepreneur is all about um persistence. I mean, sales in general is about persistence, of course, and, um, you know, preparedness and, uh, but you're right. Staying power, survival, staying alive. There's so many, there's so many totally. things, not just your business, but your, you know, your financing, your investment, your all, all of those things. It's uh it's a bit of a minefield. Um, and, um, yeah, there's, there's no, um, you know, there, there's no substitution for just, uh, being on it all the time. You know, you don't, you don't really yeah. take a break yeah. from it. Um, and you know, somebody I remember in the early days, I met a guy who was trying to do ice cream in South, uh, in San Francisco with a bunch of the different Amazon fruits. And, and I met him and, um, and one of them was acai, you know, and, and, and I was like, you know, why are you doing you know, why are you doing these ice creams like this? How come you're not just focused on, say, you know, one of them or I'll say or whatever it is? He goes, man, that's like a 20 year, that's like a 20 year mission. And I was in like my third year and I was like, no way, yeah. you know, no way. Yeah. Like that's and whatever. And and now I, I try to look smart and say that I've had a now that I'm in my 23rd year, I try to say that I've had the original vision, you know, um and i'm still on that track and and it's like a 30 year business plan and i just happen to be at you know the 23rd year year of it right now um with you know eyes on the prize of the of the 30 year vision that that i had you know in in 2000 so anyways it takes a lot of luck a lot of perseverance and a lot of um a lot of scar tissue as as yeah. you know being an entrepreneur no right.
0: definitely and and uh lots of different uh angles that, that, uh, you're just trying to figure out these, you know, different verticals. I mean, they're, even though, uh, you know, being in a retailer location may seem similar to being in a, uh, food service, they really are very, very different. And it's, uh, it's just so interesting what you've done. So, so many people who enter the natural food industry, it's like, uh, uh, it's, they get the bug, right? They, they don't leave. They go and do a bunch of things. What do you, what would you say is like the good and the challenging of the natural food industry for people who are thinking about, you know, entering it?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, I remember being in a room full of, uh, people from the natural foods community and, and talking about this. And, and what I, what I said was the following, you know, when I left sports, you know, um, sports was something that these words like determination and poise and discipline and commitment and all of these things, they meant so much to me as an athlete, you know, and stepping into the natural foods community, those words actually mean a lot as well because people in the natural foods, organic food world are really um, on a mission. They're social entrepreneurs, right? They're dedicated to making the world a better place using their business to do it, right? And that's important, you know, that's not just a job. That's not just a paycheck. There's none of that, none of those things. It really is being an entrepreneur in the natural foods industry or even just working in the natural foods industry. You don't have to be the one that starts a company. You know, you can Mm -hmm. be the one you know, we talk about sometimes like you know when you're building a house, you know somebody shows up and they they you know bulldoze stuff or they lay a foundation or what it might be, and then another group comes and they they put up the walls and you know drywall and the plumbing, and then other people come later on and they they do the landscaping and they put in the you know the the, the fixtures so you have this ability doesn't matter if you're the one that starts the company you have this ability to join a mission and be a part of something that's really meaningful right um on the negative side you know um yeah i don't know if there is really a negative side you know um people i think human beings we have work in our culture you know in our in our in our you know existence as humans so you got to you know you got to feed your family you got to go out you got to put your efforts into something and as long as um what you're putting it in, you believe in, and you, and if you can feel like you are on a mission, then, you know, I always joke that like, I don't, you know, I haven't worked a day in my life a little bit, you know, if you're, if you're on the mission, even if, you know, right. I know that's being a little bit, you know, cute, but um, as long as you're, you know, working towards building something, um, you know, y- you can avoid um, feeling like you just have to get up and go to work, you know?
0: Yeah, so, um, no, totally. And believing, I think, in what you're doing. And I, I, I think that that is, uh, something that I see consistently in, and the natural food industry. Um, you know, they've definitely, there's, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of people who, absolutely. and commitment and people want to, you know, get people healthier and change. I would say, I would add that the, you know, I don't know if it's negative or challenging is that there's definitely gatekeepers, right. I getting into, you know, whether it's whole foods or air one or, you know, it's hard. It's really, and when that day happens, you got to celebrate it. And it's, um, and then, you know, you've got to, you know, applaud and then keep going and figuring out because you got to stay in there. You've got to, you know, continue to build on that. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's a constant challenge, right? You're never done. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Yeah.
1: I think, um, you know, like getting, getting on the shelf at Whole Foods, that's actually like, or, or, or one of the retail getting on the shelf period, that's like the starting line. Right. Um, but, but I mean, there's a lot of work, there's a lot of work to get there. But that's not the finish line, right? That's that's like now you get to get out there and start competing on the field, you know. Um, right. And uh, yeah, it requires a lot of persistence and um, and belief and and hard work.
0: Yeah, totally. It's interesting when I started uh, when I started Hint. Um, I don't know if you know the story, but my dad had started a brand called Healthy Choice um, years ago, and he. Anyway, he started at Armour Food Company, and they were acquired by Conagra, and you know it's still alive today. And one of their most successful products. But when I was starting Hint, I said, "Hey, how do I get Hint on the shelf of Safeway?" He's like, "I have no idea," because he had he had basically developed a product within a large company, and so Uh they did all the negotiation, and then he had to negotiate internally to get the frozen space. Um, But he was like, I mean, if you're going, you're not only going in and trying to get your product on the shelf when you don't have lots of slotting fees to spend and, you know, you've got to beg, borrow and hopefully not steal in order to get it on the shelf. But also, uh, you know, you're, you're doing something that is an entirely new category too. So it's like, I mean, it's just it's super hard. So he he was he was no help, right? And in, in that sense, because he was like, you know, I have no idea. It's so different. And um, you know, I think that there, you have to be a little bit uh glutton for punishment and sane to actually be an entrepreneur. That is because uh, they don't typically come. At least the most successful ones don't typically come from you know the big guys right because they would never do what you do every day <laughs> right
1: it's like yeah it's hard yeah and i think um it's funny I, now that now that i get to hire amazing executives in the business that come from well trained uh they that that come well trained for some of these larger companies you know they're always like i would never i'd never do what you do what you did right sort of thing and it's funny cuz you know at the time uh you know, starting the company, twenty-five years old. I didn't have anything to lose really. I mean, I guess time. Yeah. I could lose time, you know. Yeah. Or I could lose other people's money, I guess, and some of my own. But um yeah, I didn't really never really thought about all those risks, you know. And and I can also say if I was, you know, Uh, married my sweetheart out of college or whatever it is and was married and had kids or, you know, those sort of things at that time. I might have thought about it a lot differently because now I do have a lot to risk. Like I need a constant paycheck. I can't risk on that. So yeah, the, the entrepreneurial world is, is, um, it's not for the faint of heart, but it's also very rewarding. And, and, you know, it's also, you know, the natural foods industry is inspiring because it came from, You know, the, the, like, like we, we, you know, Samazon and Hint and, you know, some of these other companies, Guayaquil, you know, we're kind of like the second generation of natural foods companies. Mm -hmm. There's now the third and even coming into the fourth, but the generation ahead of us was, you know, these inspiring, frankly, mainly hippies, you know, that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like the guy who started UNFI was like, you know, filling up his truck with like rice, organic rice to drive it down to the market to sell it or, you know, Steve Demos at Silk Soy Milk, um, what, you know, uh, learned how to make tofu on a trip to India in the sixties. And then they came back and started making soy products in the United States. And they, they did it to like, you know, fight the man a little bit, you know, and like, um, and really do something that they were inspired to, um, to change the world with. So we have, um, a very wonderful industry that we get to work in, um, because of some of these early pioneers, um, whole, you know, whole foods and horizon, organic milk and Stonyfield farms, yogurt, these, these great entrepreneurs that kind of went out there and, and, um, laid a great, you know, created an industry that, that we've got to be able to come in and, um, be entrepreneurial in. So, um, yeah, it's a nice place to, to work and to be.
0: It, you you mentioned like the third and fourth generations. Who would you say is like, you know, some of uh, like two or three of the hot brands that are out there right now that you think are kind of interesting?
1: Um, I love what Im Lakesh is doing. Um they've got a plant-based chorizo product that they just came out with. They've been doing superfoods for a number of years. Yeah. But um, you know, um Tucker and Filmat over at Imlakesh have done just a great job with their new products and that's starting to get out there. Um, let me think, what else, uh, do I really like out there that I've been, um, consuming lately? Um, let's see what else is out there. Um, some of the new, um, well, some of the second generation brands like Guayaquil that are coming out with new products, um, or just, you know, growing, um, their distribution so people are trying it for the first time um let me think who else is there we have expo west coming up next week so i'm really excited to see sort of the new innovation that's out there um who have you seen out there very like um
0: you know it's
1: it's interesting
0: i have not really uh i have not seen a whole lot of great innovation that i've been blown away by um i've what i've been interested in is um watching people kind of go back to simplicity and the basics so you know Seth Goldman, for example, going back and starting i mean he's he's gone back to his roots of where honest was um and, you know yeah. and starting that product um you know kind of the original so i'm excited about uh i I think sometimes innovation just creates um complications, right, and obviously when they get acquired by bigger companies and stuff so i I'm excited yeah. I feel like there's some nostalgic products that are going to start to come back um you know i've I've also really been looking at the beauty industry we had hint had launched a sunscreen and uh also a deodorant really focusing on the health aspects of you know the deodorant with no aluminum, and and really looking at sort of not just what we ingest, but also what we put on our skin. Because I think that that has a lot of aspects to it that sometimes people don't really pay attention to. And I feel like um, simple and less ingredients are really. Uh, I'm seeing that trend in in beauty as well. That I think the more education you need to give to consumers about why they should actually. Have something, um, or you know, put it on their skin or whatever. um, You lose them, right? People don't want to read. People don't want to like have tons and tons of information. They they want to feel better. They want to taste a great product, Um, you know, and they like hearing the benefits and understanding why. But um, but that's really what I'm seeing more and more of. So it'll be interesting um, to to sort of see what comes out of. Expo for sure, but it's uh, it, it it's interesting. I think that there's also things that are changing uh, as well too. I mean, you know, you're not in the coconut business, but um, but there's a you know there's a lot of people in the beauty industry that are shifting away from coconut. Was huge a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and um, there's a, a lot of people that would argue that it's not so great for um, you know the environment. And, um, that it's, uh, so it's, I think that there's, there's a lot more information that's coming out and around, you know, rainforests and things that are going on that I think are super interesting to pay attention to too. So, um, so anyway, I think there, there's a lot of super interesting stuff. I have one, maybe two more quick questions. So building a board. That's always something that is, you know, kind of the big question of the hour. I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't even build a board until they go out and raise money. Um, yeah. Then all of a sudden they're in, you know, react mode. Oh my God, I got to build a board. And um, so do you have any like suggestions on on how people, what you should look for when you're building a board? Is there, um, I had actually a really interesting interview, um, Chip Wilson from Lululemon, Uh definitely one to listen to. He, uh, talked about, you should have nine people on your board. <laughs> okay. He like goes through like exactly. So it's fascinating to me because I think there's no right answer, but I, knowing what you know now, like, what would you want on your board?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, a couple of things. So one, especially when you start raising money, you know, with an outside investors and things like that, they typically, um, want to show up and want to bring their partners or, or, or associates or whatever it is. And then next thing you know, you have an observer and think my point is my strong recommendation is keep the board small. Okay. Yes. If you're a public mm-hmm. company, nine members is probably right about the right size, but you know, we're, we're talking about like entrepreneurial companies. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to have a conversation with four or five people around the table than it is with nine or 10, or I, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember having certain meetings at Samazon where there's 14 people, 15 people in the room. It's a total nightmare, right? So just don't do that. Even if you had seven board and we only, we've never had more than seven board members. Um, at our, at our company. But like I said, somebody brings somebody, somebody brings another, you get next thing, you know, you know, you got that many people. So number one, keep it small. Number two, um, especially if you're, if you're, if you're smaller and you're starting out, like, you know, find It's like building a basketball team or something like find, find, if you're a really good shooter, don't go find a good shooter. Like, if you like I'll put it more in business terms, if you're like a great salesperson, don't go, you know, fill your board up with great salespeople. Like go fill your yeah, board totally. up with finance people. If you if you're an accountant and you're you got the books and you're on that, you don't need that. So so the board can be an extension of your management team as well. If you want to go into new areas, like I mentioned earlier that Sambazon is looking at, you know, retail stores, right? So I went out and tried to f- bring some board members onto the table fr- um to the table who had franchise experience as an example. So you kind of want to create like a mirror of your team. Mm-hmm. And I guess the last thing I'd say is financial, you know, you as you as you take on money, you're gonna have financial investors on your board. Make sure you find time and space for operators, people who have been entrepreneurs people who have expertise working in the companies and you don't just end up with a bunch of finance people on your board. Um, That's not a great, you know, you want balance. You don't not want finance people on your board. You just want balance.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that is absolutely critical uh, for sure. And, um, and it's something that I think uh, if you don't build it out initially, um, before you're being asked to build it out, you sort of start to run into building with the wrong people on it. And then it's always hard to sort of redo that more than anything. Okay. So last question. So best advice you ever received.
1: I think you have to trust your gut, you know, um, at the end of the day, you are the decision maker. Um, and I, I guess the best advice I ever got was, uh, a mentor of mine that I had told me that, you know, you don't have experience. You don't, you know, you haven't done this before. You're not a pro in the, in the industry. Right. So you have to surround yourselves with pros, you know, um, there is, mm-hmm. I, I remember him saying there's one wild card in this business and it's you, everybody else has to bring this experience to the table. Um, and you know, I guess from the beginning, I personally, you know, I, I, I had a big dream, let's just say, and I knew that I didn't know very much at all about, you know, I wasn't experienced in the industry. Um, I think that the more you go on that you realize like the less, you know, but in the beginning, you know, I just tried to stay humble uh, and be humble and, and know that, um, it's going to require really smart people around the table. Like I used to say, I want Coca-Cola management. I didn't mean like anything negative or around that. I meant like well-trained professionals. They're going to help sort of like pull you across the finish line. Um Cause they've already been there, you know, sort of mm-hmm. thing. And um that's always been, you know, surrounding yourselves, your management team, your board of directors um, with people who have, who have, Cross the finish line and can pull you across a little bit um, was was totally. really good advice.
0: Totally. Well, that is such such great advice, and uh, Sambazon is such a great company, and so lucky to have you. So everyone needs to. Go out and get some sambazon, and uh, go find your your stores that are starting to crop up. And uh, really exciting. We'll have all the information in the show notes too. But thank you so much for your time, Ryan, and thanks everybody.
1: Yeah, thank you, Karen.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review, and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening.